Hello, and welcome to episode 132 of the Casual Tryhard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And today we're talking about tournaments, all the parts of a tournament, and what you can expect if we have tournaments, and then when you go to them. (laughs) Yeah, so not only if places decide that they want to hold tournaments, but if Wizards decides that tournaments are a thing they want to do from now on. Yeah. So if you would like to tweet us your excitement about a possible tournament, you can get at us at Casual Tripod. You can also hit us up on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG, or you can drop us an email, show at CasualTryHardMTG.com. Uh, we just had Adventures in the Forgotten Realms come out. If there's any singles you guys are looking to pick up, or the... Uh, Modern Horizons 2 singles, I think you were telling me in the pre-show a little bit, have bottomed out. Um, If you're looking to pick any of those up, we would appreciate it if you use our TCG Player affiliate link, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Anything you purchase after following that link, we'll get a small percentage of to help keep the show going. Uh, If you want to support us a little bit more directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Patrons get early access to our show notes. Uh, I usually post them the day before the show goes live. And they also get access to our completely raw and unedited pre-show. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, This summer, our pre-show is going to have some of our normal podcast topics kind of thrown into it because we're doing this Learn to Play series. Um, So if you want to hear any of that stuff, throw us a couple bucks on Patreon. It really helps us out. And you'll get access to more of us, which is what you really want, right? Exactly. That's all I want is more me. More me. I'll have to get you an OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Do you, do you want more, Brian? Do you have uh, $19.99 a month? That's right. Well, you get all the Brian you can handle. Yeah, too much. Too much. <laughs> I mean, you can also, save yourself some money and just like look at pictures of the Pillsbury Doughboy. We have. I have a very similar build and complexion. Yeah, doughy pasty, doughy and pasty, and I'll wear a hat if you ask. Oh man, uh, we also have a Discord. There's a link in the description. There's a link on all our social media. Come on in and check us out. Hang out with us. Yeah. Well, speaking of like in-person tournaments, I was super excited to see that you know uh, that uh, at least. There's going to be an SCG con at the end of yeah. October in the worst convention center in America. That's not right. like currently on fire. <laughs> and so, uh, so like part of me was excited. And then again, like, you know, part of me thought about vaccination rates and was like, Hmm, yeah, we'll see how we're doing in October here. <laughs> but like my initial thing was like, honey, you might be uh, single for, uh, uh, at the end of October, because I might have to go away for a weekend. It's like uh, Depths is not going to get to play itself in some side events. That's so. right. I want to hear some more information about the event, though. Like, yeah, exactly what's going absolutely on. Absolutely nothing has been said about it. So, yeah, other than just like it's going to be a thing, right? All right, so. We're going to go over the anatomy of a tournament. And um, some of the stuff is like from the olden times pre-campaigning app. And again, there is a uh, 
a bit of a caveat that we may or may not be doing these things going forward. Yeah, so, I mean, who who knows at this point? Yeah. And I've only used a computer app a handful of times, and I don't think you've used it at all, right? No, I've not um, used it. So I'm obviously we're not super familiar with how it works, so I'm going to be assuming here a little bit, and hopefully I get hopefully I get it right. Hopefully. For some of this stuff. Yeah. yeah. So as we've mentioned before, the companion app is the new way that Wizards has set up for you to enter and report results at tournaments. And yeah. based on your experience, you've seen them in like small to like medium sized events, right? Like, eight, yeah. So uh, like you can host your own event on the companion app up to eight players. So, like, if you get eight players together and want to draft, like, you don't need to involve the store whatsoever if you don't want to. You can just set up a tournament on your phone and run an event. Um, alternatively, a store can run an event using the companion app, but through their backend. And that will allow uh, numbers of players above and beyond eight. Um, I'm not sure, like, how big... Um, I want to say that they've run events with at least 32 players okay. uh, locally here. Um, so it'll at least do that many. I would imagine it will have some number comparable to, you know, what event reporter used to have. Yeah, um, but I mean, that's just a guess. I'm not, not really sure. Um, when you when you're setting up the event on your phone, I believe you get to pick the tournament structure. I could be wrong here. Um, I haven't actually run an event on my phone yet, um, but I think it will ask you whether you want to do Swiss or single elim, and I believe it also asks you if you want to do best of one or best of three. Okay, and that may not be correct. I might be making that part up. I feel oh, yeah. like it's correct though. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll just go with our gut here. Yeah. I'm so, sure you guys will let me know if you know otherwise. Yeah. So single limb is you play your rounds until you lose, and then you're eliminated, as as yep. it uh, as the name implies. And then Swiss is there's a set number of rounds. Yeah, it's usually based on like how many players are in the event. I used to be able to tell you exactly the cutoffs, but it's, it's been such a been long a while. time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just know that like the difference between like 15 players and like 16 is like an extra round and yeah. to top eight or something. But yeah. um, so this will uh, pair you based on your record. So you'll mm -hmm. be paired against like recorded people. So yep. if you're one and zero, you're gonna play against someone who's one and zero. If you're two and zero, you're gonna play against someone that's two and zero, so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, uh, ideally. Yeah. And so this is the way that most like tournaments for Magic are run: is they're Swiss to cut to a top eight, like most bigger tournaments, yep. and then the top eight is single elimination. Yeah, sometimes it's a top four, depending on like how many players are in the tournament. It'll be like top four, top eight, top sixteen, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, there'll be a 
some number of Swiss rounds and then a cut to the top and then the top is single elimination. Um, there all are also tournaments that are just single elimination, although they're pretty rare. Yeah. Um, sing- single elimination is basically just what it says. You play your round. If you win, you keep going. If you lose, you're all done playing in the tournament. Yep. So before most uh, large events, mm-hmm. uh, or as we talked about last time, things that like comp REL, there's going to be a players meeting. Mm-hmm. This is where the judge will uh, address all the players. They'll talk about like what is legal in the format. If there's been like a recent banning or something, yeah, uh, you know, they'll lay out like, "Hey, if you have a question, raise your hand, call a judge." Mm-hmm. They'll they'll briefly lay out what the appeals process is if you don't agree with a ruling. Usually, they'll tell you what the structure is. Yeah, how many rounds? Yep, and what the cut is too. Yep. Um. There is almost always some cringy joke about like keeping your play area clean or your cards clean. Like you don't want you know, don't put any food or drink on your uh, on the table because you don't want your Anna Fenza to become an Anna Fanta. Oh yeah, remember that your one? Spell stutter sprite. Okay, because it's covered in sprite. Yes, so stuff like that. Like yeah. the Anafenza Anafanta one was one from like an yeah. actual event. Yeah. Uh, so they will do this. And typically the person across from you is not your round one opponent. It, they shouldn't be. They shouldn't um, be. But yeah. we've been at seated least at, at some, like a comp REL. It shouldn't be. We've been seated at some like interesting uh, uh, events. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, so you typically don't have to like hide your deck list from them because this is normally where they're going to collect your deck list. If you mm-hmm. have a paper deck list that you have to submit, right? So they'll usually give you a chance to go over your deck list one more time and then you'll have to hold up your deck list and a judge will come by and grab it. Mm-hmm. Now so, I wonder... Like I don't, I don't know if companion is going to be used for anything comp REL or not. But I wonder if it's going to be decklist functionality and companion. I mean, that would be good. Yeah. Right. That would make it way easier because, yeah. like, the electronic decklist, you had to like go to a site, like, at your, you know, typically at your hotel room, like yeah. on a computer, and like type in your deck. Yeah. Uh, if they are doing paper deck lists, assuming you came with a car full of people, we would normally fill out the deck list and then like pass it around. Yeah, have somebody have, else check it. And have someone else check it to make sure you didn't miss any, anything because if you have a deck registration error, that can be a game loss. Right. So just to make sure. And I don't think anyone in our group got a, got, had a deck reg error ever. I don't think. Um, I know I've gone to events where people that I've known have gotten deck reg errors. Um, I can't recall if any of us ever did. Yeah, because I, I, I haven't. I haven't either. But yeah. we've we've you know always checked everything. 
Yep. So, but the players' meaning is where they're going to collect your your deck red sheet. Yeah. Again, if those still exist. Yeah, I mean, who knows if if they will or not. Yeah. Um, um one thing to note about the player meeting though is that if you're if this is a limited event, um, you have to register your pool, like at Comp REL, you have to register your sealed pool. Um, and you, the person across from you at the players meeting is probably the person that's going to register the sealed pool for you. Yeah, I forget how it worked at. So for well, modern Modern Horizons, they like they did it. The you open your pool, you register it, then you pass it, and it was checked. Or uh, we... no, you like the pool that you have is the person sitting across from you. Like you register your the person sitting across from you's pool, and yeah. then that person double checks it. I think. Yeah. But like, like even that. then, like they were already moving towards pre-registered pools, so that might well, not be a thing anymore anyway. So weirdly, they had done pre-registered pools, and then for the Modern Horizons event, they didn't. Remember, like oh yeah, because like Amonkhet and Kaladesh, or like Kaladesh and Amonkhet were pre-regged. Yeah. Where you just went and grabbed a box and then Modern Horizons went back to like the old way where yeah, you didn't open your own packs. Yeah. And right, so you got to feel bads of opening like good cards and then handing them to someone else. Right. Uh woo. But yeah, I would I would very much enjoy going back to the pre registered pools. I mean I would very much enjoy playing in an event. Yeah. Period. But yeah, yeah. pre-reg pools were definitely better. And I did. So, hey guys, Travis Wu here. Actually, had a very <laughs> interesting idea, yeah. which is if they do pre-regged pools, they should print out two sheets of what's in your deck. Okay. So at the end of a limited match, like at the end of your your match, you can. Uh, you have to you would have to hand your opponent what was in your pool, or oh. uh, or before the game, but I think after makes more sense. So like, if you yeah. saw, you know, two glory bringers, yeah, and there were oh. and there weren't two <laughs> and there weren't two glory bringers in the pool, yeah, right. Or if your opponent went, you know, what's his name, Ronus into glory bringer back to back games, right, and you're like, huh. And you look at their pool, and there's not a Ronus, right? Right. Then you know. And then they deny that ever happening. <laughs> yeah. The next day, they deny it ever happened. Uh, but yeah, like you, like you know shenanigans, and it would take care of some of the um, issues that happened with limited GPs. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, in case you don't know, there was uh, rampant cheating, or at least accused cheating, at limited GPs. Because after you, like, it was, like, worth rolling the dice that you wouldn't get deck checked. Yeah. I mean, when you're sitting in a room of 1,200 people and there's, what, 40 judges? Yeah. The chances of you getting deck checked are pretty slim. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you're, like, you can just, like, hope to, like, ride the lightning and no one, like, deck check you. Yeah. And get up to, you know... 
and do well because you threw like three extra cards in your uh in your pool in your pool so speaking about this um there is a, a youtube short from mtg goldfish where mm-hmm. they safranov talks about a notorious magic cheat from like the like early 90s or like mid 90s yeah who, uh guy's name was like justice was his last name oh yeah yeah and he uh had he see, had he was like, like a big time pro. He had a sealed pool with three muscle slivers in it. That wasn't good enough. So he went and bought a fourth one from a vendor. <laughs> and uh or drafted three. But the one he bought from the vendor was a different print run. Oh yeah. So it looked different. <laughs> and the guy was like I I had four muscle slivers, but one was damaged, so I just bought one from the vendor, and I threw out the other one. And the judges were like, we will go through the trash. Do you want to go through the trash? Because if we find a muscle sliver, then you won't get kicked out of this tournament. And he's like, no. So he got kicked out of the tournament and apparently then went away. But this is this has been an issue with uh, limited GPs. Yeah. Is... You know, every so often you play against someone who's playing a constructed deck, and you're like, "How did you open all of these cards?" Yeah, I mean, I mean that happens. Like, unfortunately, it happens locally too. We had we've had a couple people accused of it, and at least one person kicked out for cheating at pre-release yeah. at our local at, game store. At pre-release, their deck just got better and better and better each event they played. Yeah, it was crazy. And it was like, oh, you played a green-white deck the first night. Oh, you're playing a green-white deck the second day with the same rares, but some new ones. Same promo, too. Yeah, you're playing green-white for the third draft as well with even more stuff. Wait, how'd you get two promos? Shh, it's okay. Yeah, Yeah. so something that I don't miss about... uh, yeah, the magics in person, yeah. but yeah. Anyway, so we've done that. No so cheating now, on arena. No, no cheating on arena yet. Um, yet. yet. All right. So you've played your match. You played fair and square. The first thing you want to do is I like this. After you win, yeah. After you win. After you win, make sure you decide. Uh, you decide board. Very important. This. Uh, like you should like after your match, you should always like go back and like take your cards out, put them in your sideboard, put your other cards in and like count your sideboard mm-hmm. and make sure that you have 15 in your sideboard. Yeah. It, it doesn't hurt to count your deck either. Um, yeah. A lot of times it really only takes, you know, a minute or two and I'll count my deck and my just to make sure that there's no problems. Um, I have seen in events where, especially in limited, where you know you're not intimately familiar with your deck list, where like on accident, an opponent will take one of your cards, or you'll take one of your opponent's cards. Yeah. Um, at that point, that's a problem because now you both have illegal deck lists, and you will both get a game loss yes. if caught. Yeah. So, um, what's the Oh, gosh. So if when you uh, do your deck registry sheet, 
mm-hmm. we normally say like take a picture of your deck red sheet. Yeah. You can't access that picture during the match, but once right. it's over, you can make sure that your 15 sideboard cards in your constructed deck are the right 15 sideboard cards mm-hmm. that you had registered as sideboard cards. Yeah. Or, Especially when you have a lot of like one ofs or two ofs sometimes. Yeah. Or if you like have a split where you've got two copies in the main and one copy in the side, sometimes that information can get foggy when you're in the middle of when you're in the middle of what? When you're in the middle of an event. Yeah. Um, so just like that's the thing you can do. And same with like your limited uh, pool, right? You can at least have a picture of what yeah. you were playing in your main deck. So you can right. make sure that is is right when you're done. So that is always, always a good thing. Like just always the sideboard. Mm-hmm. Yep. It'll save you, uh, could potentially save you a, a game loss and at the very least will, you know, save you some time, you know, having to lay your deck out in front of your opponent, trying to figure out, you know, what cards are supposed to be where or whatever. Yeah. And if you notice a mistake, if you call a judge on yourself really fast, they uh, will usually just let you fix it. Um, is that true? It, it has worked to Logan's advantage a few times where like he's drawn a hand seen he's had the wrong thing and called a judge over and they just let him like like take the card out and like reshuffle and draw okay. this has happened i know it happened like, like once i think that's supposed to be a game loss yeah i also think that they started to get like more lenient with the rules yeah right um, but but like yeah. don't be afraid to like you you need to call a judge and like get it fixed yeah, i mean you you should call a judge that's what they're there yeah. for um judges would every single time rather be involved than not if there's a discrepancy um they're there to basically maintain the sanctity of the game yeah so it, it's a lot easier for them to fix a situation from the beginning than for them to fix a situation after you've tried to fix a situation yeah also so. i guess there's the a thing we haven't had to think about in paper magic up until now which is companions. Oh, yeah. Making sure that, like, you have your companion back in your sideboard. Yep. And making sure that if you're declaring a, a companion, that your deck is still legal for that companion. Right. Like, right, like board. Yeah, like, if you... If your, like, game plan was to, like, board in uh, uh, Liliana of the Vale and... Loris, and then not have yep. Loris as your companion, right? Make sure that you did that, and you didn't just put in Lily and then said that, "Hey, Loris is my companion." Right, right. So just be mindful of that because that's uh, a situation we've not really had. Yeah. Also, lately, um, like wishes are a lot more common than they have been for the last like five or six years. Like right now in standard, we have three different ones. Uh, yeah. Faya wishes, idyllic tutor, and or I, get, I guess idyllic tutor is just a tutor. Yeah. So we have then, Faya wishes and wish. Yeah. Um, and they will play around with like where cards are in your deck too. So if you, you know, play your game one and you wish twice, and then you go to your sideboard, like make sure those cards get back where they're supposed to be. Otherwise, that could could be a problem for you. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely. 
that has definitely been like an issue for me since I I play the more the wishy random decks. Yeah. Um. All right. So done all this stuff. Now I get a report uh, that you won your match. Yeah. The, the winner of the match is usually the one who reports. Right. That's how it has been. Yes. Yes. They they are the person who has the least to gain. Uh by reporting the wrong result. <laughs> right. They basically have nothing to gain by yeah. reporting the wrong result. Hey, uh, I lost. No, you didn't. You won. Oh, yeah, I did win. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I won. <laughs> right. So you uh, have them. You go report. Uh, and again, every store is a little different. Some stores are really like they they have their, their uh, gosh, the match slips that they all have printed out. And it's like this super slick thing. Other times like our story, you just like walk up to who's standing by the computer and go like Brian two one. Yeah. And so just however your store reports, just like yeah. get into that, like groove and habit. Yep. Um, some of that I think is going to be supplanted by the companion app because you can, like the same software on your phone that tells you who you're playing in the next round is going to take care of reporting your results also. But I'm pretty sure both players can report, so I'm not sure what happens if there's a discrepancy. Yeah. So, so yeah, just we'll, be... we'll, we'll have to figure out how that works and, and let you guys know. Yeah. So at larger well, events, you will have match slips. So what will happen is... You'll get your pairings either pushed to your phone or there might be like a pairings board where yeah. like they just have sheets of paper and you have to find your name. Some stores at like medium sized events will have TVs that will just scroll the pairings by. Yeah. Um. So you sit down and you usually will be like you'll the judge will say start your match and then usually a few minutes into your match. Um. They'll come around with the match slips. Yeah, they'll come around with the match slip. You'll check to make sure it's the right match slip and you have the right pairing. Mm -hmm. And then you'll continue on. And then at yep. the end, you'll fill out that match slip. And there's usually like a designated basket or a box that'll say match slips. If you're at like a really big event, like a GP that has like multiple different events going on, mm -hmm. usually they will color code the match slips. Yeah, and so then you know have baskets put them in. Yeah, so then they'll have baskets with that color paper over them. Yeah. You're like, oh, I have blue paper. I put it in the blue basket. I am very smart. Yep. So on your match slip, there'll be a place for you to write down how many wins you got, and a place for your opponent to write down how many wins they got, and a place to write down any draws, and then a place at the bottom for each player to check if they wish to drop from the tournament and then a place for each player to sign. So you'll write down how many wins you got in the match and sign it. And then your opponent will write down how many wins they got in the match and then you turn it in. All right. So uh, you'll turn it in if, you're, if your match has gone super duper long. Mm -hmm. uh, a judge will come over and check on you <laughs> and maybe yeah, take you your slip for you. Yeah, usually if you're getting towards the end of the round, they'll announce like five minutes left. And then when time runs out, they'll announce turns. 
um, at the it's different than it works on arena. There's no rope or whatever. Um, when when the round is over, they'll announce it turns, and then each player has, or yeah, each player has three turns to complete the match. So it's it's they call it five turns. Whoever is the active oh, yeah, player yeah, when yep. turns is when time is called, your turn is zero. Mm-hmm. So it could be on your end step, right? But your turn zero, and then it goes one to your opponent, turn two to you, turn three to your opponent, turn four to you, turn five to your opponent. Yep. So there's no rope and there's no chess clock. So, right. you know, you need to make sure that you play at a reasonable pace and your opponent does. You don't want to be in a situation where in a 50 minute ra- round, you got 10 minutes of like game time yep. and your opponent got 40. Yep. So that's a little harder to monitor, but you can sometimes get a feel of like, oh, hey, like this person never makes any decisions. We, we need to get going here. I've certainly played in those matches. Yes. But, yeah, so you get the time, it passes back and forth, and then at the end of that of those five turns, there's either going to be a winner be- because you won the match before the end of the five turns. Or there or is not going to be a winner. Or there's not going to be a winner. <laughs> uh, it'll be a draw. Now, yeah. sometimes you'll get asked if, like, you would like to concede. Mm-hmm. This is something you do not have to do. Correct. Don't feel pressured into doing it. Yep. But this is because draws are almost like losses. Basically. Yeah. Though, they might as well be, especially in bigger events. Hey, I cashed with three draws. Oh, <laughs> Oh, for the worst, the worst record ever. Well, like, see, that's because you need three draws to add up to one win. Yeah, I was like 10, was it like 10, 2, and 3 or something? Yeah. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only time draws will matter is if you get three of them. If you get to the third one. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, yeah, they'll they'll come get your slipping on that jazz. All right. Yeah. Uh, by the time you get into turns, typically there's an there's a judge at your table side, and a lot of times they'll just take the slip when yeah, you're done. Because they're desperate to run it up to the front so they can get everything entered. Right. All right. So you have played through your event, and we can do worry about standings and tournament math. So in yeah. smaller events, they'll usually have the standings a little more available. Technically, um, they're not supposed to have the standings up until the second to last round. Yeah. Um, this is different on Companion, though, because you get standings after every round. Oh, okay. So, I mean, it's good that you get standings after every round, but it's also kind of weird that you weren't supposed to give them before, like, the final round or whatever previously. Yeah. And now everybody just has access to them all the time. Yeah, so basically the reason that the standings matter is because you can start doing tournament math where you yeah, can look terrible at where tournament math where you can look at where you are relative to the rest of the field and determine whether or not if you and your opponent should 
let's say draw. Yep. Right. So let's say so in an event, a ra- a win is worth three points, a draw is worth one point, and a loss is worth zero points. Right. Yep. So let's say it's a six round tournament. You're going into round six, and you and your opponent both have fifteen points. So you're both five and zero. Mm-hmm. All the people under you, the next group of people, they are, uh, they have four, they have 12 points. They're four and one. Right. Right. So you two can draw. And each You'll each go get to, one point for the draw. You'll each go to 16. And now yep. no one below you can catch you. Right. Because the best they can do is they can go to uh, 15 points. Right. Now, where it gets, like, murky is the situations where, like, places usually 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, mm-hmm. right? Where they all have, like, between, let's say, you know, uh, 8 and, like, 11 points or, you yeah. know, 10 points or something because someone has, like, a draw. Someone's 3, 1, and 1. Right. And it's like, okay, well, does six, there's like five and six, do they have to play because six can't draw? Because if six draws and the person in ninth wins, sixth place goes out of the top eight. And so that's where you have to look at. So the way you're, you're ranked is you're ranked first based on your number of match wins, right? Your number of match points. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Right. Then it is your, is it your match win percentage? And then your opponent's match win percentage. Yeah, I think so. Right. So they'll have, so they'll have your, your like points. And then there's like three columns that are win percentages. Mm-hmm. And you are ranked based on that. So if going back to the, you both are five and zero, right? One of you might have uh, an opponent match win rate of 60% and the other one has one of 55%. The person with the 60% uh, OMW, they are ranked higher than the person with the 55% OMW because that is... That person with the sixty percent, their opponents were better. Right, they played harder opponents. Yes, um, or it's a measure of how hard yes. the, the opponents were. So you, um, so like, not only do you have to worry about like, oh, I'm in, I'm in sixth place, and I can get to eleven points, let's say, right? But mm-hmm. then you have to worry about like, well. Are the do the other eleven pointers do they have better breakers than I do? Like, is their opponent match win percentage better than mine? Yeah. Because then, like, oh, I'll be tied. I'll be in eighth place, tied with someone else. But if their breakers are better, you get bumped down in the ninth place. Right. So it's usually if your opponent match win percentage is like over fifty five percent you have good breakers. Mm -hmm. If it's below 50, you have bad breakers. Yeah. 
And so, right, at like a high, you know, match win percent, a uh, uh, high breakers, you might be able to take a draw that you otherwise mm-hmm. wouldn't have taken if you had lower breakers. Right. And a lot of times that corresponds to when you've taken losses in the tournament too. Yeah. Like if you take a loss in round one and then win out, your breakers are going to be worse than if you, you know, go 4-0 and then take a loss in round five. Yeah. Because, right, you you played someone who already had a loss in the 0-1 bracket. And right. then when you beat them, they became 0-2. Right. Right. Then you played someone who was 1-1. One and, one, and then when you beat them, they became 1-2. And so it just kind of cascades that, like, you push your opponents, like, a little bit lower each time you you beat them. Yep. Um, What was the other thing? Oh, so you are playing for fun. Or you're playing because you want to play Magic. Mm -hmm. And if it's a Swiss turn uh, pairings, you may have people that are like... You're 0-3, you should drop because you're hurting so-and-so's breakers. Uh, yeah. That person can go F themselves. <laughs> you paid yeah. your entry fee. You play as much magic as you want to play. 100%. Right? Like, cool. Yeah. You, it's not like you're there being like, man, I'm in the I'm at the 0-3 uh, table. Like, just loving Wrecking Timmy's... Uh, <laughs> uh, match win percentage is like no I'm not exactly having the best time in the world getting raffle stomped for three <laughs> rounds but I came to play magic and I spent 50 bucks to be in this tournament Yeah, uh, I envisioned myself winning it but that's not happening I'm at least going to play my last <laughs> two rounds and get my 50 bucks or yeah. you know four of us drove here three hours and three people are yeah, three people are still playing and doing well. What mm-hmm. am I gonna do? Just like sit around by myself? Right. Like I'll just keep playing magic. Yep. So don't don't worry about those people. But you will yeah. <laughs> Oh, you're you're hurting like no, I will say to someone like joking, like, oh man, you're killing my breakers here. But like I would never <laughs> be like, You need to drop because my breakers need to be better. It's like, no, if I just keep winning, it doesn't matter. Right. right. If it's you still, did better, then your breakers wouldn't matter. Yeah, so it's it's still, like, in their hands. Like, just play and have fun. Yeah. Right, so that is... For that sure. is Yeah, that is something that used to happen, and based on some, like, horrific Twitter people is still happening. Uh, some horrific yeah. tweets I've seen. <laughs> so just, like, like, you know... I mean, especially now. Like, everyone should be excited to go back out and play. Right. So, like, just go back out and play. Um, So you will see people, like, run over to the standings and take a picture and, like, work out how it works. Uh, At our local game store, we have often tried to do tournament math to cut rounds off of events (laughs) where we're like, okay, look, uh, the top eight is locked. Can we just move on? Like, yeah. let these people play their the top eight. Yeah, like let these people play their last match. But like, I don't know. Can we like do the top eight draft? Or yeah. we like pretty sure we know how the the uh, the pairings are going to go. Can we just like start the top eight? Or like, okay, we're all going to draw. Cool. Let's all go to Taco Bell. 
right? Like yeah. I haven't eaten in six hours because this was a seven round event. Yeah. So I played for six hours. I can cut this off and go get food before top eight because I need a chalupa. Yeah. You know, we can't go to top eight right now because whatever happens at table six is going to impact the opponent match win percentage and might switch sixth place and seventh place. So that would mm-hmm. impact the pairing. So we can't cut right now, but you can go get food. Yeah. So that's usually where like tournament math comes in is figuring out like what tables can draw or what tables can uh, or have to play. Yeah. And a lot of that you'll kind of get the feel for like after you've been to an event or two. Yeah. Um, like the first time you you show up to FNM or whatever, I I really don't expect you to understand how well the tournament. Yeah. Also, much like the, you don't have to drop. You like you don't have to like draw, right? right. If you don't think it's mutually beneficial, or, you know, I'm sure one of us has done this, where like we've gone someplace, and mm-hmm. it's like, all right, I'm locked. But if I beat this player, Carson gets in. Yeah. Like if I win and Car if I win and Carson's wins, Carson's win, this person's out. All right, like we're gonna play. Right. Because like I'm trying to help my friend. Right. Uh there's the like we talked about the like draw scenario. There's another scenario that comes up far less frequently, mm-hmm. uh, but still comes up probably more than it should. <clears throat> Which is the like? Uh, would you like, like to concede? Would you like to concede? Right, where like basically people will like scoop other people into top eight or whatever. Like, yeah. let's say I'm locked. Let's say like it was a smallish tournament, right? And mm-hmm. you know Carson's five and zero, oh, and I'm four and one, and we get paired together, yeah. right? If he loses, he's still in. And if I win, I'm in. So he might just go like, yeah, you got this one. Yeah. Which I know I've, like, I think Carson and I, or Bowman and I did it. Like, Bowman mm-hmm. conceded to me in some place, and the judge is like, why are you doing that? And he's like, I gotta, I gotta ride home with him. <laughs> <laughs> so I might as well just put him in the top eight. And they were like, it was a new judge, and they looked at the other judge, and the other judge was like, "That's fine," because uh, yeah. they were like, "What do you What do you mean you're conceding to him? Why are you doing that?" And he's like, "Because I've got to ride home with him." Like, <laughs> I was like, "Cool, thanks." Yeah, but like, I mean, I it happens. Se- like Gr- Greg does it pretty regularly. Yeah, I've seen it happen at like bigger events where like yeah. it gets it gets a little weird, but. Again, bigger events might not be a thing, so it might not matter. Yeah, who knows? But, but again, like you, you never have to concede or scoop to someone or whatever. I mean, I I know I've definitely like at like F and M just been like, yeah, you got this one or whatever. Oh yeah, right, like whatever, it's fine. Um, but don't the thing the thing I will encourage are like quality of life draws. Or quality of life splits. Yes. So let's <laughs> let's say it is uh, you know it's pre-release and you're playing for like a box, right? right. And it's and five you, o'clock in the morning. Yeah, 
and you get the like you're playing for two boxes and you get to top eight and it's like you know what we could stay here for three more hours and <laughs> like the math works out that so like if you split two boxes it's nine packs and it's like oh payout is only more than nine packs a person for like the top four how about we just all scoop and we take like our nine packs and we go about our lives and get some sleep yes right i am a i am a fan of the quality of life scoop where i mean even if it's not as extreme as that i mean a lot of times if it's you know 11 or 11 30 on a friday i'm getting that late yeah like just like the amount of like ev that you're Mm -hmm. giving up by going you know what if I win this thing, I get $25 in store credit. But if we just like split, I get $15 or $12. Yeah. But I get to go to bed like two hours early. Like two hours of extra sleep is worth 12 bucks to me in store credit. Absolutely. Like that's fine. Right. So I am down with the quality of life split. Now, mm-hmm. I know there are some people that like need their store credit to like kind of guarantee their next draft. And so yeah. I like, I understand there are like different incentives and motivations, but when possible, look out for your fellow uh, magic player. Just be like, you know what? <laughs> I can, I can deal without $2. It'll be fine. Yep. I'll buy one less Chalupa on the ride home. It'll be okay. It'll be all right. It'll be Skip okay. your blooming onion. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh This is this is a good one this uh here which is um so you have no outside cards in your deck box. Yes. Right? And this might just sound super easy and dumb like why would you have outside cards? Well, let's say you're at a big tournament and you're visiting the vendors. You got to mm-hmm. have some place to put those fancy new cards you bought. You don't want to just have them rattling around in your bag. Right. Right. So you throw them in your deck box. Whoopsie. You get now you have an illegal deck. Now you have an illegal deck. So like I always have like an extra box that I can throw whatever uh, goodies I get into on my uh, on my uh, purchases. Yeah. Um, Or I've seen this work a little bit differently also because like the definition of a deck box isn't a like defined thing so like if you have a deck box with multiple components inside of it the whole thing might be the deck box but like you're only using part of it for the deck well the whole thing is the deck box the deck box is the thing that has your deck in it regardless of how many other things it has so right. like if you have your deck in a 700 count long box (laughs) and then you've got all the stuff you're planning to sell to your vendors yeah the 700 count long box is your deck box it is um unfortunately your your first draft day two uh modern horizons gp opponent 
had this very fancy like deck oh, box yeah. that like opened into like a lotus flower. Yeah. And like in the bottom there were like two snow basics. Right. That weren't in his deck or in his pool. They weren't even in the colors he was playing. Correct. He got a game loss for those cards. Like I don't even think they were like with where his deck went. I don't know. I don't know exactly how that box worked. But there's that. Do you remember do you remember the Japanese card incident? No. At uh at Narf and Cram. God rest your soul. Um No, I don't remember this one. So it was um Eldrazi winner. Yeah. And guy shows oh, up I with like remember. an all like Japanese deck or something. Yeah. And so he put English versions of all of the cards that he had Japanese or foreign right. in his deck box. And he got deck checked and those cards are technically in the format. Right. And were in his box. So even though he had the best intentions, of like, hey, I don't know what this card does. Oh, here it is. Yeah. He got a game loss for having like extra cards in his deck box. Yeah. I mean, he basically had a whole nother deck. Yeah. But like the, you know, the spirit of what he was doing, like, I don't yeah. think it was a nefarious thing. Right. right. If he would have had those cards, like just in another smaller deck box. Yeah. Where he could be like, oh, uh, here, here's what that card does. Like, you know, unsleeved or in different sleeves than yeah. what his deck was. Oh, here, here's what this is. And then put it back in. Yeah. That's not a problem, but because it was in the deck box, that is that is an issue. Yeah. I mean, I've had opponents um, like use a fat pack box for their deck box also that had a bunch of cards in it and them get deck checked and you know, end up with a game loss because there's, you know, even though like that section was partitioned differently for their deck, technically other. Yeah. It does happen. Uh, what was it? Um, we had someone who had like had cards that he had like proxied, like were flipped Mm -hmm. over. He was using them as tokens. Oh yeah. One of them was like, they were like in different sleeves, but like flipped over, so they were still magic cards. Yeah. And one of them was legal in the format. Yeah, it was like draft chaff he picked up off the table. Yeah, but one of the cards was legal in the format, so it was a it was a game loss for having additional cards. Yep. Right. Like if it had been a standard tournament, and none of the cards were standard legal, then it would have been fine. Yeah. Sketchy, but fine. But because they were legal in the format. Then, then they got a game loss. So not, um, not the best. Yeah. Was it? Um, oh, I w- I left out the name to protect the innocent, but I can say the name. Well, no, 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 no. I was gonna say that event that we went to at Firefly that we played Hogak at. Uh huh. Didn't they make an announcement before the tournament um, to not put the event promo in your deck box because th- it was legal in the format? Yes, I think they did do that. Yeah. Um, what's the other? Oh, another thing is uh, particularly now with um, MDFCs, mm-hmm. you need to make sure that your sleeves are opaque enough that you can't see the MDFC through the sleeve. Or use the checklist cards. Or use the checklist cards. But you just need to make sure that you can't 
like that you can't see the back. So yeah. like I went to, oh gosh, Anthony and I drove to like Richmond. Uh, it was like well, there was like a hurricane coming, and we just hopped in the car and drove to Richmond. Mm-hmm. And it was like the first like bigish event. It was just a Star City event that Anthony had gone to, and we get there, and they were like, "Yeah, if like we can see your Jace Vern's prodigy through your sleeves, and like if you pushed hard enough on my sleeves, you could kind of see the Jace." Yeah. And there were no checklist cards, so I just had to like resleeve, like try to find darker sleeves and resleeve my deck. Cool. Yeah, that was that was no bueno. No bueno. Yeah. Um. So, and I guess the last part of a tournament is get your bloomin' onion. Right. <laughs> the the drive home. The drive the like the best part of the trips usually win or lose is like the excuse to like go sit down with your friends that you don't yeah. get to see that often and like just eat and talk about whatever and talk about the event and you know just just relax and have fun so yeah, like unless sure. you're like on like a severe like time crunch like take the time to like go grab something to eat and decompress and just like enjoy uh uh and just enjoy the, the time <laughs> right yeah. like you know if you have to be home like fine stop and get like mcdonald's drive through but yeah. like you can hopefully find an hour to like enjoy yourselves mm-hmm. no for sure especially after a longer event if you're traveling a little bit further from home um, I know we kind of developed a ritual when we tra- of stopping and eating on the way. Yeah, it, it was really nice. Yeah, it was. It was usually getting it out back, uh, yeah. blooming onion. Uh, yeah. We we found somewhere in Virginia the greatest outback ever. Uh, <laughs> like the guy opened Logan's beer and poured it for him at our table. It was quite. It was the best service ever. But no, like just take that time because it is it is what makes it fun i mean of course we all want to like win the event and all that jazz but at the end of the day like if 100 people show up 99 people are going to go home unhappy if that is the like right if that is everyone's if if that is the only metric you have is did i win yeah right it's like no you wouldn't have like hopefully had a reasonable time yeah so that's what it's all about anyways and getting your and getting your blooming onion or you know Whatever, whatever regionally specific god awful culinary con- con- uh, concoction that that you and your friends like <laughs> is like what it's all about. If it's like I don't know, getting Waffle House or so- oh. something, <laughs> yeah. Ugh, <laughs> I've had Waffle House a handful of times, and the first time I had it, like I had moved to like uh, Georgia, had heard of Waffle House but never had it. Yeah. And I had it for the first time and was like, you must have to be drunk to like this. Like, <laughs> 100%. This this is the only thing that makes sense. I have found yeah. some things on the menu that are like uh, agreeable, but it's not just like, yeah. But whatever thing that you're like, if you and your friends really want to get some, what is it, Cheddar Bay biscuits from uh, <laughs> Red Lobster, Red Lobster uh, go nuts, like whatever it is. But just like, we had it. We kind of had a ritual where, like, it was like, okay, we're gonna go do this. Now we can go home. Yep. 
or or we'd find a fancier place to eat. But yeah. all right, so uh, we've done a lot of um, not current event stuff, yeah. and so we're gonna throw in just a little bit of arena current event stuff. Uh, this is where uh, we'll make the plug. If you want to hear our full thoughts, uh, <laughs> you can get those in the pre-show if you're a patron. So, yeah. but uh, the folks at Arena got a set of three dice that had random magic branding words on them, shook them up, <laughs> and gave us a new product. Yeah, what's it called? Mythic Modern Jumpstart Horizons? Uh, very, it's, is it, it's similar to that. Is it Jumpstart Historic Horizons? Is it the actual that, name of is it? Is that what it is? Maybe. I think that might be the actual name. Uh, they branded something not mythic? They branded it not mythic. Uh, well, it's got to be a mistake, right? It must be. Uh, or maybe mythic is only for for uh, OP and they're not supposed for for the OP that doesn't exist anymore, yeah, yeah. No, it is it is uh, Jumpstart colon Historic Horizons. Okay, um, sure it is. Hey, so it's a new Jumpstart set it on is Arena a, only. It is a new Jumpstart set on Arena only, and it is a collection of cards from. Uh, Modern Horizons, Modern Horizons 2, mm-hmm. and more. And more. Uh, and the and more includes 31 new to magic cards that only work as a digital offering. Yeah, so they they can only exist digitally, so they will never be printed. Yes. So very strange. These are cards that um do things that are difficult if not impossible to track in uh paper. Yeah. So it is uh so the list of mechanics it had some cards. I don't know. There was an IGN article that was out today, but one of the yeah. one of the abilities is conjure mm-hmm. where they will just create a card from a set list from magic's history and you get to put that in your hand yeah kind of like what garth one eye was doing in modern horizons 2 yeah but garth you had to cast the card when you made the copy right this the card goes into your hand and you can cast yeah. it later so it just yeah. poofs a card there's another um uh what's it called there's another mechanic i'm looking it up right now so i can sound smarter Uh, okay it's called seek Seek. where it will so this card uh manor guardian is two and a black for a four three it has when mm-hmm. Mana Guardian dies, each player seeks a non-land card with mana value two or less. So what Seek does is it goes through your deck 
and just randomly grabs a two CMC card and sticks it in your hand. Yeah. In this case, right? It could be seek four uh, mana value or seek two or whatever. Uh, yeah. So it's like seek and then a thing because this could easily be like seek a basic land. So right. what makes or it seek a sorcery? Yeah. So what makes it different than uh, a, a way that you would normally do this is you don't search your deck for it. It doesn't shuffle your deck. It just plucks it out and gives it to you. So if yep. you've scribed two cards to the bottom, you're not shuffling and messing up your scry. If you scribe two cards to the top, you're not shuffling and messing up your scry. It just grabs a card. You're also not shuffling for your brainstorm. Uh, that card's banned now. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is um, they have kind of taken a typo from Magic's Past and just made it a, a card ability now. And that is Perpetual or Perpetually. So Davriel's Withering is black for an instant. Target creature Perpetually gets minus one, minus two. So mm -hmm. this card would normally be target creature gets minus one, minus two until end of turn. Or it gets a minus two or two minus one, minus one counters. Yes. So counters used to be the way that this would work. Yeah. Um, back in Magic's early days, back in my day, Center, uh, sets like Fallen Empires uh, had just random collections of counters. Yeah. Uh, like minus O oh, minus one counters. Yeah. Or like I think like plus two plus one counters. Or I'm sure mm -hmm. they had minus one minus two counters. This is basically just a counter. Right. Right. Now. Could they, instead of like trying to make digital only cards, just make this card black target creature gets two minus one minus one counters? Yes. Yes, it could have been. But they decided to try to like do something different. Like it feels a lot of it, a lot of it feels different for the sake of being different. Well, there is a notable difference though. I mean, it's not symmetrical. Well, and it's also perpetual. So it gets tracked no matter where the card is. Whereas yes. in every other instance of everything in Magic, as soon as a card changes zones, it forgets it ever existed. Yeah, so like if you were to flicker this card, from my reading of Perpetual, uh, it is it just kind of remembers everything from every zone, no matter what zone it goes to. So, yeah. modify a specific card permanently, even if it enters other zones of play. Yes. Yeah. So, that is that is the big difference. I mean, there have been a few cards. There's, like, a commander that gets plus one, plus one counters, but it keeps them regardless of what zone it's in. Yeah. Uh, Skullbriar, I think, right? Sure. Yeah, I think it's Skullbriar. So, there was also a card in unstable it was like a green fight spell okay that gave a creature like plus two plus two and it fought and it didn't go away yeah it didn't say till end of turn it just stayed there's been a few cards that have like typos like that yeah well this wasn't a typo this it was, Wait, it was i don't know if it was meant to be yeah i don't know if it was meant to be a throwback to that because there was a card that was a typo yeah it was just like I mean, not even, 
uh, what was it? Uh, invent, invert. Yeah. Remember, it just said switch target creatures' power and toughness. Right. Stop. It, they forgot the till end of turn. Yeah. So we were like, uh, does it just do it forever? Or I think it got eroded to end of turn, but. Yeah. So there's a lumbering light shield, which is one in a white for a one four. And when it enters play, target opponent reveals a non land card at random from their hand. It perpetually gains this card costs one more to cast. So mm-hmm. this is kind of similar to what is he called? Paulo, uh, Elite Spellbinder, right? Yeah. Because, but there you look at their hand and you set a card aside so like you can track it. This, yeah, this, you don't get to look at their hand. You're just randomly showed a non-land. So the reason you can't do this in paper is I can be like, I don't have any non-lands. Right. Right. So like, like looking at your hand ensures, looking at their hand ensures that you know that you are not getting cheated. Yeah. Right. But arena's taking care of the, the, you not getting cheated part and it just shows you a card. So you get less information, but... Oh, like, there's a couple new cards. Okay. Uh, Sarkon Scorn is two and a red for a common instant. Okay. Sarkon Scorn deals damage equal to the number of turns you have begun to target creature or planeswalk. We Hearthstone and baby! Like, that's, yeah. like an, that's like a card from Eternal or Hearthstone, like, for sure. Yeah. And then there's Sarkon Wanderer to Shiv. Uh, three and a red for a four loyalty planeswalker. Okay. Dragon cards in your hand perpetually gain. This spell costs one less to cast, and you may pay X rather than pay this spell's mana cost where X is its mana. Okay. So they cost one less, and you can spend any color of mana on them. Yeah. And then it lets you conjure. So conjure, conjure a Shivan Dragon card to your hand. So conjure is you just create the card and it goes in your hand. You don't have to yeah. cast it at that time. You just put this card from the the serververse. If right. you watch Space, <laughs> if you watch Space Jam two from the serververse <laughs> into your hand. So there are some cards that will conjure multiple cards and you get to pick one like the example that uh i'd seen earlier was like a tropical island or a um here it is a tropical island a stormfront pegasus a flying two one for one in the white or a ponder uh like these are cards that you can conjure yeah so yay um Yeah, very much a a not magic mechanic. Now there's yeah. Davriel Soulbroker, which is a planeswalker for two black black that has four loyalty. Uh, the thing that we care the plus one is whenever an opponent attacks you or a planeswalker, uh, they have to discard a card, or if they mm-hmm. can't, they have to sacrifice a creature, an attacking creature. Mm-hmm. Um, the minus two is you get offered a what is it you get an offer from davriel and then you get a condition so there are eight weird there are eight offers and eight conditions 
Whenever you minus two Davriel, Arena will show you three random offers in three random conditions. So you can pick what which of those three offers you want, and then pick which of those three conditions you want to pay for that offer. Yep. And then you do that. So someone described it as they took the unset Urza and made it a card. Basically. Like made it a blackboarded card. So this again is like you couldn't have a planeswalker that had like eight different things you could do. Because it and wouldn't it, fit on the card. Yeah. And then you pick from one of the three. That's a lot of like dice to roll. Yeah. To be like, well, these are my three possible out uh, things, and now here are, and then here are my other three things that I'm gonna, and now I'm gonna. It's like it's too much work, so yep. they're doing it this way. And then negative three from the sky is target creature uh, perpetually gets minus three minus three. So again, like it's probably gonna kill something, but what's interesting is like, let's say you kill a tutu with this, and then you play um. Was it Return from the Ranks, which is a card that's in this set? It is. Yeah, Return to the Ranks. Well, that um, card that was a 2-2, if you return it to the ranks, it dies. Right. Because it's a minus one, minus one now. Right. Forever. I, oh, we got some reprints, too. Oh, yeah. I, I, at the I, IGN thing, we have Ranger Captain of Eos. Yeah. Which goes nicely in the black white um uh what's it called? The black white death shadow deck. Yep. Go get um, yourself a death shadow. We also have Thalio's Lieutenant. Oh. For Humanjis. Yeah. Where are yeah. you seeing these cards at? Uh this is on Goldfish. Oh, okay. And then um, we have Esper Sentinel. Okay. And Nettle Cyst. Wow, oh. Nettle Cyst. Yeah. That card's pretty mm. good. Yeah. Uh, and Thought Monitor. Okay. And some Ninjas. Ooh. Yeah. Ninja of the Deep Hours and Ingenious Infiltrate. Okay. Hmm. All right. Um... Like, there is, like, a mono-white artifact deck. Yeah. That I played a few times recently. So, I mean, like... Sentinel's way better. Like, you would play it 100% of the time over Jousting Dummy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, you know, for humans, Esper Sentinel and... Um, Thalia's Lieutenant. Thalia's Lieutenant go well with Thalia. Right. Uh, and you have uh, the black-white General Kudra. Yep. Right, so you have, like, another Lord. Like, you could maybe put together a, like... And we have Kite Sail Freebooter. Yep. And... You got the, the guy that makes your legendary humans indestructible, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, General's Enforcer. Yep. And you have... Oh, what's his name? And you have Paulo. Yep. Right, there's a black-white disruptive humans deck. Uh, mm -hmm. At least in best of one, I will tell you that game that deck will be awful, <laughs> awful, unplayable. But it might be good in best of three. I'm playing mm -hmm. the green version of that deck. 
Yeah. Awful right now. <laughs> Unplayable. But, uh, okay, I mean, that's... Uh, those cards are not, like, embarrassingly off-scale. Right. For the power level. But also, like... Most of Modern Horizons is embarrassingly off-scale for, <laughs> for like, historic. Yeah. But... I, historic is so weirdly maintained yeah and like balanced like i don't know like it would not surprise me if they were just like uh here's rockavon <laughs> and it's like go. oh cool thanks for the 11 that i now yeah, have to like play 11 against. in historic rockavon is somewhere north of 14 i think <laughs> probably it's like oh you didn't kill him you're dead yeah, I think I would start every single deck ever with four Ragavans and four Bomat Couriers. There you go. And just go. Yeah, but... So that is... So they're bringing these things in. I think that we have to just pull back and kind of make two realizations about Historic. One, Historic is no longer what they sold it to us like a year and a half ago. Oh yeah, right? definitely not. Right, Cause historic started right when pioneer started and historic right. was like, well, we have our first rotation where cards are going away or first rotation period. And we right. want people to be able to get value from their old standard cards. So we yeah. need to give you a place to play them. So that'll be historic. No, a hundred percent. It is legal for you to be like i'm gonna play blue green merfolk from ixalan mm -hmm. cool if you're cool with a 10 percent win rate live your life do that be happy playing merfolk right if you would like a 50 percent win rate please plunk down a bunch of money for mystical archives her uh uh historic anthologies jumpstart and historic mystical jumpstart uh <laughs> historic horizon masters or whatever right yeah because whatever the eight ball came up with yeah because this is no longer a format where you can play that fun deck that you like to play in standard that got just a few little upgrades you're like oh man i'll get to play like you know uh a check land, so my mana will be better. That'll be great. I'll have the, the the, the MDFC lands and the shock lands, and I'll have this check land. I'll have great mana in yeah. my like deck that I played for a standard season that I a really disinformation enjoyed. campaign deck. Yeah, it's like yeah, cool. Guess what? You're dead. Right. You 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 dead. Oh, okay. Well, that wasn't fun. Yeah. And they're like, exactly, please give us money so you might maybe have some fun. Right. Now, like, if you're cool just, like, playing and, like, you know, whatever. But I just feel like they've made it so, like, a lot of people are just going to get rocked in Historic mm -hmm. now. Uh, and then, two, uh, I mentioned this in the pre-show. I watched a video from Jim Davis, and he was like, the them adding these new, like, digital-only mechanics isn't ruining magic 
It's not magic. It's only historic. And he didn't mean it this way, but I think we are starting to move closer and closer to historic not being magic. Could be. Historic is going to be some weird, like, I'm kind of, I've got some Hearthstone-y vibes, and I've got some, like, classic magic cards, but, like, it's not going to be... It's its own thing. It's its own thing with, really, its own set of rules. Yeah. Right? We had talked about, like, they had done the, uh, like, the test format of, like, hey, what if we, like, try to fix these cards? Yeah. And I don't know how much people played that format. Yeah, I don't I don't either. I didn't like it. I did not play it. I I think I played exactly one game with the deck I was playing in historic before. I yeah. got my win to get my reward and I was out. Yeah. Um but like I think we could see historic being like a place where they quote unquote fix cards. Probably. Right? I mean, they know if you have Agent of Treachery in your collection. Right, mm-hmm. so if they fix Agent of Treachery, right, they throw the non-land qualifier on it. So, you know, okay, cool, Agent of Treachery is fixed. All right. Yeah. Now they can just, like, now you just have your four fixed Agent of Treacheries. And now they also don't have to refund wild cards yeah, ever like, again. We're just going to fix it. Yeah. So, oh, instead of banning Brainstorm, we're going to make historic brainstorm cost one in the blue it'll be sorcery speed yeah or yeah it'll be sorcery speed or something dumb right and like there you go we don't have to change your wild card like you know they effectively banned the card because now it's unplayable your library perpetually can't be shuffled (laughs) yeah there we go (laughs) you get an emblem that says your library cannot be shuffled um but you go fetch out a land and it just puts the cards back in the exact same order they were. <laughs> yep. Uh, but no, you get to, but yeah, it's just going to be very different. Like, yeah. it's, I don't think it's, I think it's going to lose some of its magicness. Mm-hmm. And I almost think it's going to be like when they do like a wacky format with weird rules. Yeah. I think it's going to be like that. And just forever. Just forever. And, like, maybe that's cool. But, like, for me, I've not played Standard in the last, like, year. Yeah. Because it's just been the same stuff. Right. I for... mean, it's still Throne stuff. Yeah, it's still Throne. And then, like, you know, uh, Rogues, which, like, you can basically... Rogues is the proxy for blue green flash for mm-hmm. mono blue garbage, right. uh, mono blue poopers, right? <laughs> They're all the same deck, basically, right? Like, hey, I'm gonna play some flash garbage, never tap out, and if you don't play something, I'm gonna play a creature or draw cards. If you do play something, I want to counter it. Yep. Is that fun for everyone? Mm, for one of us. <laughs> right like so that deck's just been around for two years i played i played enough against blue green i don't want to do that anymore right and uh so like i've not like i've played historic 
Mm-hmm. And like if historic is just now a wacky format. Yeah. Like not even really magic anymore. Yeah, like do I really want to just like spend wild cards and stuff to play a wacky format? Like not particularly. I would be fine if they threw like artisan as like an all the time format. Mm-hmm. Because like those decks as weird as it sounds, like they're kind of at the right power level. Yeah. Right. They don't have the problem for the most part of you, like just like playing a normal game and your opponent just like annihilates you because like they drew their like five mana mythic. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, they were on the play and they drew their gold span dragon. So I guess I don't get to play anymore. Like, Oh, they ramped into ultimatum and I lost on the spot. Like, you just don't have that. Like, you attack and block and, like... They took two extra turns, and now you're yeah. so far behind, it doesn't matter. Yeah, they they took an extra turn and got two birds, and then took another extra turn and attacked me for six and drew two more cards and made two more land drops, and now I'm dead. Right. Right, like, you don't have those kind of swings. So maybe they've looked at, like, oh, people really like these wacky formats. So it's like, yeah, you know why? Because they're not standard and they're not historic. <laughs> yeah. Right, so maybe fix those as opposed to be like, let's just turn historic into a wacky format. People yeah. like Momir, let's just make it Momir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. It is a weird place to be where like magic is like. Magic is trying to compete with all the other digital card games. And yeah. their solution isn't, let's make the best version of Magic that we can because we have the best game. It's, oh, let's steal mechanics from those other games. Right. That's successful. Like, it must be what people want. Yeah. People make a, there's a lot of money in Hearthstone, so let's make our game more like Hearthstone. It's like, no. Like, there's a lot of money in Hearthstone because it was like one of the first, like, big digital TCGs. They just have the market share. If you make Mm -hmm. your game, your game is inherently better than Hearthstone. Right. Just fix your game. (laughs) Like, fix it don't just like try to copy the stuff that works for other games and like just a few cards like i don't think that that is going to one be enough to hearthstoneify the game to bring in hearthstone players right to be like oh this game's like hearthstone i want to play this it's like they already have a hearthstone collection why are they leaving (laughs) i want to play like worse hearthstone right it's like no they want to play like you want to get them by having them play the best version of magic yeah not a like knockoff hearthstone and it was clear from the interview in the ign article that this is not the end of digital only cards well that's terrifying yeah, the quote, let me see if I can find it. Well, one of the quotes is like, we're not trying to make the lowest common. Uh, yeah. We know, we don't, we don't, uh, 
want to necessarily be designing the lowest common denominator version of magic. Yikes. Kind of seems like uh, you might be. Yeah. Um, so here's the quote from Aaron Forsyth here, if I can read the whole thing here. Uh, we didn't want to overwhelm people. Uh, and he acknowledged that we could be going into uncharted waters for a lot of magic players. We could have easily come up with a dozen wacky digital mechanics, uh, but we felt like uh, the way to make this feel like a card set is to pick a small number and show the breadth that that small number of mechanics uh, can execute on. So mm. to me, it sounds like, yo, we had we had twelve more mechanics like in the in the hopper. They're ready to go. Yeah, they're loaded. Yeah, right. Like as long as you all don't like burn down, um, uh, Watsi's headquarters. These are coming. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm sure what's gonna happen, right? Is they're gonna release all this stuff, and they're gonna be able and to. We're mon- gonna get historical anthologies seven with twenty four new to magic cards. That or what I was gonna say is. They're going to watch the. They're going to be able to watch the historic play rates, mm-hmm. and they're going to be able to watch, like, monitor which of these cards end up in decks. Like, yeah. are people playing these new mechanic cards? And, right, if historic play goes down, or if people just aren't incorporating these cards into their decks then they're going to be more reticent to do this. Right? Well, maybe it's a good thing then that this is going to come out in two weeks, and then two weeks after that, we have uh, Innistrad. Yeah. I mean, they could... Like, the problem is, is it's just like any mechanic, right? You know, the... So the the one four that, like, perpetually makes something cost one more... Like, I mm-hmm. could see playing that in the green-white kind of, like, disruptive creature taxi deck that I have, right? Yeah. So the spike in me is like, oh, I do kind of need, like, you know, a an effect like this. Now, I specifically don't play Thalia because I'm like, well, Thalia's not, like, like these cards aren't going to ever be played together, right? Like, in real magic. Yeah. Right? So I'm never, I'm not going to, like, play Thalia with you know, these cards, like this deck's not good enough for modern, but it might be good enough for pioneer. So maybe mm-hmm. I don't play the one four that perpetually makes something cost one more because like, it's not a real in air quotes card. Yeah. Right. But like, if they are like, we want these cards to be played, right. It only takes like turning a knob or two to make the cards like generically playable. Right. That The spiky people that like, want to play historic and don't want to spend the night getting dumpstered mm-hmm. will put in their deck. Right. So the one four, right. It could have been a one three, but it being oh. a one four, it blocks way more stuff. I mean, basically it could have been a squire. It could have been anything like that. Text isn't super, you know, overpowered. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they made it a one four, right? So like, Oh, it blocks a bunch of stuff. It blocks all of mono red. Yeah. Okay, cool. So now if I want a blocker that might make it so they're 
a wizard's lightning costs two instead of one. Yeah. And something that's going to block their um, soul scar mage. Mm -hmm. Great. Like I'm going to put this in my deck. Right. And like, it only takes a few of those cards for it to like, perhaps read at wizards HQ of like, Oh man, they They really really like these. They really like these. Like, look at how much this card is getting played. It's like, well, it's getting played because of, the other words on the card. Right. Not because not of this, not because of the wacky mechanic. Now yeah. we made fun of it earlier, but we kind of glossed over it. This is another jumpstart product. Oh yeah. What it, I think my, cause this article was leaked three days before it actually came out. And I think that was my initial was that this is the most profitable way for them to put cards in our hands for them. Yes. It is the hardest way for consumers to get the cards. Absolutely, right? It's not like you can just be like, I'm going to spend 100 bucks on packs. Right. Right? It's I'm going to spend $100 and get less like rares than mm. I would anyway. And, like, you know, you could be in a situation where you, one, get the same, you know, you basically end up with the same decks repeatedly over and over and over and over and over again. So you just, like, max yourself out on one rare. So there's no duplicate protection when you open this stuff. Yep. And two, when you open packs, you get progress towards wild cards. Mm-hmm. When you open jumpstart packs, you don't. Correct. So you right. also can't draft it. Yep. Like, so there's no way to offset like the cost of a pack through drafting. Uh see here. Oh, there's a there's a poll. Uh at the if you want to express yourself to IGN, they have a poll. How do you feel about digital only cards slash mechanics coming to magic uh Magic uh, uh, Arena's historic format. I voted. It's an awful idea. <laughs> oh, hey. 45% of people that replied said, awful idea. Oh, hey. 29% of people said, I'm wary. There we go. Perhaps well, that all should the- say everything. There we go. One poll, the curmudgeons have spoken. Yep. So... Yeah, they're bringing these cards in in like the hardest way to get them. Yeah. It's like the most ex- most profitable way for them to give us cards. And they're giving us like random weird stuff. I am yeah. not excited about this product. I feel as though I will engage with this less than I engaged with the... Um, uh, the last jump start, which is that I played for like a weekend. Yeah. Got sick of it. And then bought the handful of singles that I wanted. And then was done. Yeah, that's probably what I will do. I mean, I don't think they're going to get me for the um, weekend of play. Like, I think I'm just not going to like do any right. jump start. Yeah. And. Again, like, I'm going to have to, like, think, maybe have to see how Historic shakes out. Mm -hmm. Because, like, do I want to play in a Historic that it's 
Hearthstone. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I we... think that like I'll probably I'll probably skip the cards that aren't that are like digital only. Like I have interest in playing with Esper Sentinel or maybe like ninjas. That seems kind of fun, but I don't really have any interest in seeking or conjuring or perpetuating anything. Yeah. So it seems pretty awful. Yeah. It, I guess it, it is, um, um, it is just something that like we engage with the game from a perspective of, this is the game we played as kids. Mm-hmm. It had physical cards. And we expect the game to work physically. Right. Right. And this is clearly a move to 100% divorce historic from the idea of it working physically. Correct. And if that's the case, that's not how you and I engage with magic. Now, if there right. are other people that, you know, are listening to the pod or wherever that like they engage with magic from it being purely a digital game. And this is a video game. Like mm-hmm. I jump on, I play some games of my video game and then I jump off. Cool. Like this is the thing for you. But as people that, like, you know, have boxes and boxes of cards and have always engaged with the game physically first, yeah, digitally second, like, this feels wrong because we're no longer in, we're no longer able to engage with these cards physically. Right. And so, I agree. Yeah. Like, and I think there's a lot of content. I've seen a couple of videos from content producers that are like, yo, like, I'm cool with this. And I think part of it is like, how do most of them engage with the game? They engage with it as a video game, right? They stream. Basically, yeah. Or they make content. And most of that content is on a digital platform, whether it be Magic Online or Arena, right? Yeah. So on some levels, like, they're engaging with the game in like a in a digital sense and you know maybe if i played you know maybe if my job was to play eight hours of digital magic every day the game (laughs) the game would stop being a physical thing to me yeah but it's still a physical thing like i spent the weekend sorting cards Mm mm-hmm Many of the cards I bought during the pandemic got put away. Uh, not all of them, <laughs> well, but many. At least they've been sorted. They've been sorted. Other than Roger Roger, which ended up on the floor. Yeah, well, yeah, which ended up like stuck between something. But like that is not like how I engage with the game. It's, it's not a. It's not a just in a computer thing. Yeah. Right, and you know I think historic is rapidly becoming like an in a computer thing. I mean, certainly seems that way. There, there was talk. And we brought this up before, I think, 
uh, people were like, oh, we can run real historic tournaments. We can run historic tournaments in paper because I really like historic. Nope, can't anymore. Murder those oh. ideas. <laughs> because, Sorry about your luck. Yeah. Oh, because Davriel's playable. Can't yeah. do it. Sorry. So. Yep. So, yeah. So, there we go. Old man yells at clouds. But I think the reason the old man is yelling at clouds is because. The clouds are falling. Well, the clouds are falling, but. The clouds were a physical thing for years to the old man. <laughs> and now people are like, no, man, the clouds aren't real. And I'm like, no, they are. Like, I have clouds in my house right now. <laughs> and they're like, no, you don't. I'm like, oh. I was like, I want to sell my clouds. Simulation. Yeah, it's all a simulation. Yeah, I really do think that's what it comes down to is, like, the game has always been physical pieces of paper. Mm-hmm. And now it's for this one format, it's not. And I think there's, you know, I think there is a fear that, like, what does this mean for the physical pieces of paper version of the game? Because as people, I don't know if you've heard people talking, right? But as people are going back to playing in person, Mm -hmm. right? Like, universally, it's like, oh, this is so much better. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, on the Receivable, Cedric was just like, have you played and you remember playing in paper it's so good it is so unbelievably good right and like we've we've lost that for so long and i think i hope as people go back to playing in paper or people that haven't got to play in paper yeah get to play in paper they're like oh yeah this is really good yeah and like we should be encouraging this thing like the coming together and seeing people like this is good and not just like, you know, Hey, I'm going to stay inside and play a video game. Yeah. That's right? a really good point. Yeah. So hopefully, cause I mean, historic has not like operated when people could play in paper, right? Historic was made. Mm-hmm. People thought historic was a terrible idea. Then there was yeah. Pioneer. Pioneer was made like the month after. And all anyone it cared about from November to February was Pioneer. Right. And then the world ended. Then the world ended. Yeah. And it was like, I can play standard, but I guess that means I have to play against team or adventure mirrors for the next six months to a year. <laughs> or uh, fires of invention mirrors. Or I can play Historic. Oh, hey, Historic's pretty neat. Yeah. Right, they put in some cards. It's different than, like, it's not just a big standard. It's different. Okay, that's cool. Then people started to care about Historic a lot because it was the way they could play, and it wasn't god-awful standard. Yeah. And so now we're just like, oh, yeah, that's just magic now. And it's like, no. No, there's still the superior version of your game is like people sitting down and playing it with other people. Yeah. And the yeah, moment, that's a really good point, man. We we really got to get back to playing in paper. Yeah. I miss it. The moment that you like give up on that as a company, yeah. is the moment you like give up on like your product. It's like it's like new Coke or clear Pepsi. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's like, "Oh, hey." It's like, "No." 
Coca-Cola. You make Coke and then some other stuff, but you make Coca-Cola. Keep doing that. It's like, Wizards, you make physical cards. Right. Keep doing that. Because there's a lot of people that only play Arena because they have physical cards. And don't forget that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're two of them. Yeah. And I mean, we were talking that in the pre-show, we'll catch you in a little bit here. We were looking at our... uh, I was looking at my Strixhaven data that they sent you. And someone... Something that our... uh, People didn't participate this last time as much. But a lot of times people will screenshot their arena data. And put Mm -hmm. it in like the store group chat. And someone was like... Put up their thing and they had played 204 games. Which was more than 70% of arena players. Yeah. For all of Strixhaven. I had played 1500 games. A big difference. A big difference. But my point here is that like I'm playing all of these games and engaging with arena because I have paper cards. Right. And because like I want to still like remember how to play magic when I get to use my paper cards again. Mm -hmm. And like I if there's a if you've brought a ton of people into arena that are playing a hundred games in three months, like I don't know, like that's that's one game a day. Yeah, it's not much. That's not much. Like maybe they're playing their one game a a day, but they've like spent all the money in the shop and they have all the blinged out cards and all this craziness. But I doubt, I doubt it. it. Right. So like. I don't know. There's people that like are engaged with your game because they have a ton of cards. They want to play them. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So there you go. There's my, there's my impassioned thing for uh, <laughs> everyone. Like, get safe, and you know, go play magic. Go play magic. So, with all of that, the end of uh, the end of a uh, historic, and how to play in tournaments once we're all safe. <laughs> I think we have a show. We have a show. So, if you would like to tell me how I'm wrong and you're looking forward to Magic the Hearthstone inning, <laughs> you can tweet at us at Casual Tripod. I'm definitely not wrong. And I am not looking forward to Magic the Hearthstoning. All but, right. if you want to tell Brian how he's wrong, you can also find us on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG, or you can email us show at casualtryhardmtg.com don't forget about our tcg player affiliate link tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com and don't forget about our discord there's a link in our description and there's a link on all our social media so hop on over there check us out and i think that's all i got so we will catch you guys at fnm catch you at fnm I got to the end of the IGN article. Yeah. And uh, Aaron Forsyth chuckles and says that uh, uh, when asked about the notorious uh, monkey, Raghavan, Nimble Pilfer, uh, is it going to be in the set? Uh, Forsyth yeah. chuckles and said, uh, it's a pretty safe bet that it won't be. Oh, okay. So, no Raghavan. Not okay. now.
So yeah, yeah what, what did they it's, say here? It's not a, now or until they can sell it to us for. Yeah, so they wanted to add cool new cards digitally or otherwise without ballooning the power level out of control too quickly. Too quickly. Where? Okay. Where was? Where? So they're where, planning on letting a balloon out of control. Control, but they went. They went. It's a. It's gonna be a slow ballooning. Yeah. But like, where was this with the with the stupid um, mystical archives? 